Hannah's song. She's telling us about the God that we are going to meet in every chapter of this book of Samuel. And I draw your attention especially to the words found in the middle of verse 3. The Lord is a God of knowledge. The Lord is a God of knowledge. Now this is a very special expression in this prayer. It's full of wonderful expressions. But I think that this one particularly stands out. Because it has the divine name twice. That's not found in any of the other expressions or clauses. The Lord is a God of knowledge. So it's the name Jehovah, Lord, and it has the name God in the space of a few words. And that's unique in this prayer. And that's the Holy Spirit's way of highlighting it. This is something important. God puts his name twice in it. And not only does God use the divine names twice to highlight the expression, the word is enclosed between the two divine names, knowledge. So literally it is a God of knowledge is the Lord. That's how it is in the Hebrew. So there's a divine name at one side, God. A divine name at the other side, the Lord. And in the middle, this word knowledge. And the word knowledge in the Hebrew is plural. It's knowledges. All knowledge. All the knowledges that there are in the universe. Everything that there is to know, God encloses it. God, Jehovah, he enfolds and encloses all knowledges. There's no knowledge outside of him. He has all knowledge. That's what is being expressed here in this phrase and the way that the words are arranged. There's no knowledge outside of God. There's no knowledge that he fails to possess. There is no ignorance in him. He only encloses knowledges. All knowledges. He's omniscient. That's God. He only has knowledge. And no ignorance. And Hannah is confident of this. And she's amazed at this doctrine of the knowledge of God. And she glorifies him in this wonderful attribute of his. A God of knowledges. But you know the ungodly don't think that. The ungodly think God doesn't see. God doesn't know. The wicked persuade themselves. How does God know? How does he see? And they even are so bold as to say. There is no knowledge 
in the Most High. The Lord shall not see, they say, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. He doesn't notice. He's not aware of it. That's how sinners think, because that's what sinners wish. A God who is ignorant. A God who is not knowing at all. That's the kind of God they want. That's the kind of God that they worship. A God who is ignoring so many things. But the believer does not worship such a God. The believer, like Hannah, says, the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him actions are weighed. Not looked upon in the mere outward surface. Man looks on the outward appearance. But God weighs the action. He knows the heart, you see. He goes by weight, not appearances. God doesn't go by outward appearance. He wears the congregation. He wears the hearts of men. So this is our subject this morning. The knowledge of God. Not our knowledge of him, but his knowledge of all. Two things only. The doctrinal of God's knowledge. The characteristics of it are set forth in the word of God. And then secondly, the practical of God's knowledge, the comfort and edification that this truth ought to bring us and the dread that it ought to put in sinners. The doctrinal and the practical of the divine knowledge. The doctrinal then, first of all, the characteristics of God's knowledge. God's knowledge is characterized in a number of different ways. And the first is that it is infinitely divine, wholly divine, utterly uncreature-like. His thoughts are not our thoughts. There's no comparison. His knowledge is not like our knowledge. Nothing like it at all. It's not creature knowledge. We have creature knowledge, but his is divine knowledge, and it's infinite. And no matter how lofty or how high the creature is, between the creature and the Most High God, there is an infinite gulf, and that same gulf separates the knowledge of each. Our knowledge is like a drop of water from the sea on a spoon. That's all our knowledge is. It's so little, it's so tiny. But God's knowledge is like the sea itself. And not just the sea that fills the whole earth, but the sea, if we could think of it as filling the whole cosmos. Covering everything that's in the universe. God's knowledge is like that sea. And ours is just a little spoonful that's taken out of it. We are so ignorant. His understanding, the Bible says, is infinite. And so his knowledge is not our knowledge. He knows the hearts of all men. Imagine that. All men that ever lived. All men that are ever living now, wherever they're found. All of them. Every single one. From the youngest to the oldest. All their hearts. And they're still living in hell or heaven. And he knows their hearts still. All of them. 
And they're growing and multiplying in numbers, the human race. And he's knowing all their hearts. Wherever they're found. That's amazing, isn't it? To know the hearts. And the hearts isn't the outward appearance. I mean, we don't even know our own hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know our own heart. It's, it's hard enough to deal with the knowledge of your own heart. But God deals with the knowledge of the hearts of all men. Isn't he amazing? Isn't he mighty and wonderful? And what Hannah has said of the holiness of God, she could say of the knowledge of God. There's none as holy as God. There's none beside thee. There's none like thee. And in thy knowledge this is the same as well. Bildad said, We are of yesterday and know nothing. He never spoke a truer word. We know nothing. But God knows everything. And there's nothing that he doesn't know. Angels know more than us, that is true. But even in comparison to God, they're ignorant. Whenever the psalmist thought about the knowledge of God, he had to say, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain unto it. And that's true. And this knowledge is particularly seen in God's knowledge of the future. Because not only are things past and present before him, but things future also are before his, his mind. And this is what shows him to be God, especially his knowledge of the future. Because one of the tests of the gods is, show the things that come hereafter. And none of them can do it. But God can. Our God. Our Father. And our Saviour Jesus Christ. And our divine comforter the Holy Spirit. The one true eternal God. Whom we worship. And who has redeemed us. He knows. Infinitely divine. The other thing about this knowledge is that it is foundational. It's first. It's original. It's the foundation of all knowledge. And any knowledge that we possess comes from that foundation. It's the fountain. That fountain's not within us. Any knowledge we get, we get it from God. All knowledge comes from God. God is light and no darkness at all. And any light that we have in our minds is from God. What does the Bible say? He, he lightens every creature that comes into the world. And that's true. Even those that are never saved. And still end up in hell. Any light of reasoning faculty that they receive. They receive it from God. Any ability to discern and to understand anything of this created world. They have because of God. So... None of our knowledge is original. Our lies and our deceit and our false philosophies are, are original to Satan and to sin. But true knowledge is from him. And his knowledge is primary and independent and it's in himself enclosed. 
and he illuminates every reasoning soul that is ever brought into the world. He enlightens every creature that comes into the world. It's, it's all from him. That's why his knowledge is so different. Ours is derived from him. But his is original and eternal and independent and in himself. It's therefore unchangeable, his knowledge. Eternal and unchangeable. It never increases, it never wanes. He never has to study more to gain more knowledge. He doesn't get it by searching and by seeking. He doesn't labor to obtain it the way we have to. We have to have a whole eternity to labor, to grow in knowledge. We never cease to grow in knowledge, even throughout all eternity. But God never has to increase. He never has to grow. He encloses in its infinity all knowledges. As light that never goes out, that never can be brighter, yet never wanes in his brightness, the eternal light. That's God. Only illuminating us, his creatures. He gives us understanding. He gives us knowledge. And we should come humbly before him and confess our ignorance and never be puffed up with pride and never speak so exceedingly proudly because we know nothing. God is a God of knowledges. As Hannah says. And what is more this knowledge does not corrupt him. It does not fill him with pride. It does not puff him up. Though he has all knowledge. The infinite knowledge. It doesn't puff him up. It doesn't corrupt him. As it does us. It never tempts him. It never leads him astray. It never defiles him. God knows sin. He knows all sin. He knows every sin. He knows all the sins of all men. He knows the depravity and wickedness sins of devils. He knows them in all their depths. Yet he's not corrupted. He's not defiled. He's not stained. Whereas we would be. To even see it. To see sin. To see depravity. We, we can't cope with it the way God does. Because we are either defiled or we do not hate it and abhor it the way that he abhors it. Sin, whenever we see it, just shows us to be sinners. And we feel defiled. Or we get puffed with pride or whatever. You know, but God has none of this. And God's knowledge is not only full and complete, but it's full and complete instantaneously before him at all times all is eternally present to him the past, the present, the future everything he doesn't have to have a list of thoughts to go through them again to, be, to do his memory work and go through it all no it's all instantly before him he doesn't go from one knowledge to another knowledge and then I'll have to go back to this knowledge no it's all all eternally present to him all instantly before him and this is why the psalmist said, such knowledge is, is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain onto it. 
He knows all of that unchangeably. He knows it infallibly. His knowledge is infallible. He's never mistaken. He's never led astray. He never errs. He never falsely accuses any soul through ignorance. He is never deceived by external appearances. He knoweth even what is in the darkness. Every creature is manifest in his sight. And all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He knows our downsitting and our uprising. He understands even our thought and its source in the deepest chambers of our hearts, afar off even from us, but known to him. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Not the twist man puts on it, not the twist I put on it, and the interpretation or the thinking. He knowest it altogether. The motive with which it was said, he alone knows that and infallibly judges that. God of knowledges is Jehovah. Then the comfort and edification, the practical of the doctrine of the knowledge of God. You know, whenever Hannah gives thanks to God and glorifies him in his knowledge, she is praising him for something that has comforted her. You know, Lord. You understand. Penina. She didn't understand. And she hurt me. And Eli. He didn't understand. He thought I was a daughter of Belial. He thought I was like a wicked woman because of the distress of mind coming unto thee in prayer. Eli was ignorant. Eli didn't know. Eli didn't know her burden. Even Elkanah, his words were useless. Am I not better to you than ten sons? How is that ever going to help a poor soul? Thoughtless, ignorant man. Lord, you know. God is a God of knowledges. And so Hannah's been comforted by this doctrine and discovered it afresh in her soul. And she praises it in, in glorifying God. He knows her bitterness. He knows her weeping. He knows her vow that she has made unto him. He knows her heart. She spoke in her heart, the Bible says. It never came out of her lips. In her heart, God knew. He heard. And so, she's praising him. She has no need to fear. God sees her tears. God knows her fears. Somehow, God she knows will not overlook her. Though everybody else has. God doesn't look, overlook her. She's small and just a poor solitary soul in her own eyes. In the midst of innumerable numbers all around her. And yet she knows God sees her. And knows her.
and hears her. And every child of God is the same. God knows you, child of God. This is comforting. And as we go through this book and this chapter, we'll begin to see the knowledge of God, how he knows Hophni and Phineas. He knows Eli, the failure that he's been. He sends a man of God to him to tell him what he knows about him. He knows. Practically every paragraph, you're going to meet a God who knows. A God who knows what man to send. A God who knows what message to send. Because God knows we can be confident in him, can't we? We can be confident in the Bible. For God knows. We can be confident in his prophecies. Because God knows. We can be confident. It'll all come to end as it's said. As we saw in our studies in the book of the Revelation. Though the Antichrist reigns supreme. Though the church become a persecuted remnant and scattered here and there and yonder. The end is sure. The kingdom of God will triumph. The light of God will break into the darkness of this world and bring in the new heavens and the new earth wherein will reign righteousness. God knows. And if he tells us, we can believe it. And we must believe it. And we must never call God a liar nor should we ever doubt his word. We can be confident in his word. We can be confident in his guidance. Even though I don't know the way, he knows the way that I take. Even though it's deep and I can hardly see one foot before me, his feet go deeper. And yet he knows every step. And he's never in darkness. And he leads you. And he guides you. And this providence is not darkness. It's maybe darkness to us. But it's not darkness to him. He knows. He's leading the way. And he knows. And we cannot go astray. In following our God. And we can be confident in his direction. Confident in his providence. And we can be comforted that he knows our sorrows. That others don't see. And we can't share. And our burdens we can't share. And our private prayers that we can't share. And our tears that we wipe away and hide and conceal. God knows them. God knows them all. Not one falls to the ground. And God is ignorant of it. They're all in his book. His infallible book of his omniscient knowledge. They're all in his bottle. The special aspect of his knowledge where he has sympathy for the sufferings of his saints. Known unto him are all our trials. Surely I have seen the affliction of my people, he says. I have heard their cry. I know their sorrows. He knows your repentance. He knows your sorry. He knows your confession. He knows your misery brought upon yourself by your sins. As you confess them unto God, He knows your warfare. 
He knows your battles. He knows your weaknesses of mind as well as of body. He knows that your flesh. He knows your frame. He knows the good that is in you. When you don't see it yourself. Remember how he said there's, there's some good thing in it. We could never imagine God saying that of us. Because everything that we see it's stained. And I can never say anything. That's a good thing in me. I hope I never come to the place where I will ever be able to say. That's a good thing in me. We don't see good things in ourselves. But when we can't, God does. He knows. He knows true repentance. He knows true poverty and spirit. He knows true meekness. He knows true regret. True sorriness. He knows. Remember how he often said it to the churches in the book of the Revelation. In fact, there wasn't one church that was left without this word. I know your works. I know. Every church heard that. And he gave them a little list. Some of them were good works. Some of them were good works. But he knew and he gives them a little list. And he comes to us this morning and he says, I know. I know your works. He does too. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. And how you cannot bear them that are evil. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty. I know how poor you are. But you're rich. I didn't know I was rich. I just think I'm a poor and needy soul. I just think I'm a pauper. I just think I'm a poor and sinner. I, I know that. I see your poverty. But you're rich. You're rich too. You're rich in my grace. You're rich in the knowledge that I have given you of your heart. Why do you know you are such a sinner? Because I have given you the richness of illumination to see that. I know thy works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seated. I know how hard it is in that workplace. I know Satan is in that place. And you still hold fast my name. I know that. I know thy works and thy charity and thy service, as he said to another church. And thy faith and thy patience. I know all of this. And not only does he know us, brethren and sisters, he knows our enemies. But we don't. We don't even know who our enemies are sometimes. And we're often led astray in that business. And even our worst enemies were ignorant of all their devices and their ways. But God knows our enemies. And we can rest in that. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. I know them. I know their malice. Now, of course, this doctrine also should bring terror to you if you're not saved and in Christ. That he knows all your sins. The sins that even your parents don't see, boys and girls. 
Sins that are hid and concealed. The Lord knows them. And you can't hide them from him. Nor must you try. But you have to confess them unto him. And ask for cleansing and seek forgiveness. So this is a comforting doctrine. And it's an awakening doctrine for sinners that they might fly to Christ. Don't run away from the light. Sadly that's what sinners do. You have to come into the light. Oh, it's so painful. Oh, it's so bitter. It's so hard on my conscience to walk in the light. Oh, I feel it's pain. I feel it's sharpness. I don't want to walk in the light. I want to go away from the light where it's easier. No, it's not easier. Come to the light. And if we walk in the light, as painful as it is, if we walk in the light, then we begin to have fellowship. And the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. That deals with the sin. That deals with the conscience. And that brings us peace. So walk in the light. So be comforted by this doctrine. Be amazed at the doctrine of the knowledge of God. Worship him for his omniscience. And be sincere. If God is a God of knowledges and actions are weighed by him, then the most important thing that we ought to have in our hearts is sincerity. Sincerity. And consistency. And faithfulness. And we should be reverent in his worship. A God of such majestic knowledge ought to be feared. And it ought to humble us. So, never despair. God knows. Never doubt. God knows. Never fear.